Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Angela Antonelli. Angela, are you ready to do this? I am excited to be with you. Thanks yeah. so much, and Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year. Angela is a research professor and the executive director of the Georgetown University Center for, Re- for Retirement Initiatives. Excited That's a mouthful, have, isn't it? It, it tur- turns out it was this morning. <laughs> excited. <laughs> excited to have you on, Angela. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Gosh, where do I begin? Uh, I've been around for a long time. <laughs> And I guess I'll leave it at that. I've been in Washington for for quite some time, spent my career here. I've been in and out of government service here in Washington, D.C. And when I haven't been serving in government, I've been working in consulting and in the think tank world, working on a variety of domestic and economic policy issues. Um, my career path ultimately uh, brought me to the opportunity through former colleagues to begin teaching at Georgetown. And then the opportunity at Georgetown came for to create uh, and build from scratch a uh, research center here at the McCourt School of Public Policy. I was very excited to do it. And, you know, the genesis of the center was around the issue of building retirement security. And I thought that was an incredibly interesting challenge uh, to take on because in terms of my own career path and personal experience as well as professionally, uh, I came to see that increasingly as our population has been aging that more and more individuals have been less and less prepared for the time when they stop working and really do not have not thought about uh, how much they really needed to save uh, for retirement. And so this opportunity came up to be able to focus on this issue and to inform and to educate policymakers to work federal and state level, and to really look at ways that we could begin to more broadly highlight the challenges of retirement insecurity and develop more options that would allow more Americans to have access to ways to save for retirement. And when they do, armed with the information, armed with the tools to do that, we find that individuals certainly understand the importance of savings and want to have that opportunity to save and then given the opportunity take advantage of the opportunity to save so i'm excited at this point in my career to be working on what i think is an incredibly important uh economic issue affecting so many americans and quite frankly as the population ages is only going to become more important over time to both our fiscal and economic strength and security in the future Extremely well said, Angela. So, what is what is top of mind for you? Have you been? Uh, is 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 there new information? So, when this when I started the center just a few years ago, the primary focus was this issue, and you've had guests who've spoken on this before, is 
on the private sector workforce and the fact that such a large proportion, and we've done research recently, and I'd be happy to talk about that in a little more depth, where our estimates are around 57 million Americans, about 46% of the private sector workforce that today goes to work every day and does not have access to an employer-sponsored retirement savings plan. And we do know from research that, again, if workers have access through their employer to save for retirement, they're significantly more likely to do so. So if we are able to develop ways that offer these private sector workers tools to save for retirement, that's something that is valuable to do. With that in mind, because at the federal level for several years, and for those who know the retirement space and retirement policy well, for several decades now, we've been moving away from those good old traditional defined pension plans where you work for a company for 30 years, then you retire, you get that check in the mail every month uh, in terms of retirement income. And we've moved towards a defined contribution system of savings where the responsibility for saving rests on the worker to decide whether to even start saving, how much to save, how to invest that money. And then once they've accumulated savings and they have a pot of money, how do you then manage that money to last a lifetime? So a lot of the responsibility is shifted to the worker to figure out how to save. But again, more than half of the private sector workforce doesn't even have access to a defined contribution way of saving. And many Americans have very little or nothing saved for retirement. They don't have a traditional pension. And again, they have nothing that they've put away into savings accounts. And also, oh, they don't have that access to an employer-sponsored plan. And folks will often say, well, gee, they do have access because we do have individual retirement accounts and someone can walk down to Fidelity and open an individual retirement account. But the vast majority of folks just simply don't do that. Only about 14% of workers who don't have that access actually go open an IRA account on their own to save. So Houston, we have a problem. Right. We have people who don't have that access through their employer, which that connectivity provided by the employer to that retirement savings account is significant because through inertia, we know people don't go open accounts on their own. So how do we deal with this? How do we help more of our private sector workers where it's so important for them to think about the future, save for the day when they stop working, but don't have that access? The federal government for, again, for some time has not really successfully addressed that. There have been national proposals to, to uh, have employers offer their workers ways to save, but that really hasn't up till now had a lot of traction to it. And so in the thinking about what the center could do in creating the Center for Retirement Initiatives at Georgetown University was, let's first start see if we can't get some traction at the state level, because in the absence of federal action, some states and often states on policy challenges will step up and sort of be the innovator. And that was also happening in this case, where states, as in the past, where we've seen with the creation of state-level college 529 savings accounts, as, um, as an example, thought, okay, if we have an aging population 
uh, and an increasing number of older Americans who are going to retire with insufficient income, we're going to have a challenge here. We're going to have a fiscal challenge because of the increasing demand on state budgets, and it's going to affect the economy. We have people who, instead of having savings that they can spend and put into the economy, uh, quite the opposite would be requiring more in terms of state benefits. And so they began looking at this option of creating uh, essentially universal access to a state-level type savings account, an individual retirement account. And so for us here at the center, that's that's a good idea that we should be looking at and helping and working in partnership with the states to look at various types of savings models to, again, offer workers... Uh, through their employers a way to save for retirement. And that was sort of the genesis of a lot of work that we've done. You've had guests who've spoken specifically to these state-facilitated retirement savings programs that more and more states have set up. And here at the center, we have worked really hard to be a go-to resource, uh, a clearinghouse, a source of technical assistance, We've created a state resource center. We host monthly discussions and uh, of the states. Uh, there is a state network that exists. We have been hosting now for a few years an annual uh, state-facilitated retirement savings program network with policymakers and stakeholders from around the country. So we've invested a lot of time here at the center in the creation of the center to focus on having that half of the private sector workforce that doesn't have easy access to a way to save to look to the states and their innovation to create these public-private partnerships that, in fact, help connect workers through their employers to a way to save. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform, For your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. Nice. Well, I certainly appreciate everything you just said. So thank thank you for your work. Um, It is pretty wild that that we moved from extremely simple, I'm going to work here for 30 years and then I'm going to get a check in the mail for the next 30 years to the extremely, extremely complex where, okay, I need to figure out how much I need to save and then figure out what to invest the money in. And then if I'm successful doing that, then I have to figure out how to take it out and make sure that it lasts for as long as I need it. Um, so that's, 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 that's a little frustrating for, for people. I, I would certainly imagine. And then there's all these people, 54 million, Ameri- 57 million Americans that don't even have access to it. So as as you're going through all of this and and working with all these different parties, I'm sure that there's lots of uh, private companies that are interested in, in in taking a swing at this problem, and obviously the states are trying and the federal government. What has been really most frustrating to you, where 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 you want to snap your feet or pull your hair out and say no no no? Um, I think the most frustrating thing is perhaps simply just not understanding or appreciating the magnitude of the problem mm. and what it means for 
our fiscal and economic well-being in the long term. So for, you know, again, having been in Washington for a long time, right, crisis gets attention. Mm-hmm. And, and goodness knows we're, we're, we go through those periods. Some would say we're going through those periods now. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's where you see the greatest action. And it's harder for for policymakers, stakeholders and others to necessarily focus on something that seems to be a longer term concern. But I would say that when it comes to the issue of retirement security, overall financial well-being, we are already in a crisis and have been for some time. And this issue, again, is a top of mind economic issue for a lot of Americans. And uh, some some time ago, in the past you know two to four years, increasingly, Gallup polls have shown that concerns about not saving enough, concerns about the importance of saving for retirement and not having enough money to last through retirement, is a top economic concern in polling. And at the same time, I think increasingly members of Congress go home and are surprised to find that their constituents have often asked this as one of the issues that they talk to them about. It's sort of top of the mind. So I think what's what's frustrating is understanding the nature of the problem, fully understanding that, and the importance of taking action now to help retirement, helping to build retirement security is not about focusing on people who are already at or near retirement. It's about the younger generations and helping them see the future path, the importance of saving now, the value of putting away a small amount of money every year over the course of your career to the extent that you can and what that will add up over time to offer you that life and retirement that you want. And so, to sh- again, I think two-pronged. The urgency of the issue, it's actually an urgent and important economic issue to address now. And then part of that is the challenge of helping to illustrate, educate, and inform policymakers and the general population about the value of savings, the importance of saving over time to accumulate that income for when you're older. And and again, understanding just simply the likelihood that if you're a young person today, 20, you know, you could live to be 100 years old. And that if you're working 30 or 40 years, you need to save during that time to potentially generate enough income to last another 30 years right. once you stop working. Yeah, that's that's. I imagine if I were twenty, which I was at some point, that that would be a, probably a lot for me to get my brain around. When when I look at at fintech companies like Robinhood, I see this amazing double edged sword. I see, I see a danger in the gamification of investing and the um, just the appearance, the, the 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 way that people actually interface with the app. But it's undeniable that they're having success of drawing people into the world of investing. As 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 you're looking at solutions, what 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 do you think about that? Well, I think certainly what's exciting as we work on this issue and increasingly 
see that we are making progress in helping individuals, families, workers, stakeholders, policymakers understand how important it is to offer simple, easy ways to save that on the one hand, again, we've been working with the states and encouraging the state facilitated retirement savings programs, but part and parcel of the effort by the part of a lot of organizations to do that is also greater recognition by the private sector of the gap of the failure of the financial services industry for a long time to fill the gap. And when we talk about those who've been lacking access, just a reminder that often we're talking about small businesses who, you know, these small business owners, and they are going through challenging times today, certainly economically, as we've been dealing with the COVID pandemic. But again, it's very hard for them to take the time to deal with administering their own sort of retirement plan for their workers. And often, you know, workers who work for these smaller businesses can be of lower and and moderate income. So to be clear, you know, a lot of the population that we're talking about are small businesses that lack uh, the ability to provide these these plans, retirement savings plans, and we're often talking about low and moderate income workers and also people of of color and others who disproportionately lack that access as well. So that's sort of the challenge and the and the population that we're talking about here. And as we go forward, you know, the financial services industry has understood, look, we've got a gap here. We've got this population, we've got small businesses, we've got low moderate income workers that have not really had easy access to a way to save and they do want to save and they can save and we've seen that and so what's encouraging is the increasing private sector innovation within the financial services industry to figure out okay how can we do better how can we through the use of technology and other mechanisms create retirement savings mechanisms that are easy for small businesses to adopt that are low cost and that are simple and that also are easy for individuals to find attractive to use. And so when you talk about Robinhood, there are a lot of other types of fintech companies. I see them every day. I hear from them every day uh, about how much you know they want to, to serve this market and to be part of the equation and how we solve this problem. So I'm really encouraged by that. But, you know, along with the use of technology, you know, there are always benefits and there are risks. Mm -hmm. And we can't forget that. So there are lots of issues. And I think as the market continues to evolve and develop, um, you know, there'll probably just be discussions about whether or not there's sort of additional guardrails, uh, you know, rules of the road that need to be put in place that either protect anything from, you know, privacy issues and the use of that data, the types of information that's provided to people so that it's not so that it's not misleading in some way and leads to some kind of adverse, you know, adverse decisions and behaviors um, or putting people at risk. And we've seen, I think, some of that in the context of, of, of Robinhood and, and other applications. So, you know, technology, you know, it is a double-edged sword, right? There is a great positive to it, but along with it can come some risks. And that's always the challenge for policymakers. As the market evolves, what are sort of the guardrails and considerations that we need to do to put in place to ensure 
that the consumer is adequately protected as these new tools come to market. Well said. Well, Angela, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Uh, Start saving and save early and save often and for as long as you can throughout your career. A small amount of money can add up to a lot over time. The study that we just released that I would – I certainly would love your listeners to look at our website at cri.georgetown.edu is a report around universal access to retirement savings and national options for doing that, whether it's encouraging IRAs or 401ks. But what we do highlight for policymakers and for others is to understand for a young worker who's 25 years old, if they are of modest income, maybe making thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars a year, and as we're seeing in these state-facilitated programs, putting away a hundred dollars a month, that if they're able to start saving and have those good saving behaviors and can do that over the course of a career, thirty or forty years, that their contributions they can put six figures into contribute into a savings account but with the power of time and compound interest and letting that money sit and investing it that they can have more than a quarter of a million dollars at the time of retirement and then that in if it's an test and created into a monthly income can supplement an additional fourteen thousand dollars a year in annual income so that's a great supplement to social security it shows a significant added income that comes from putting a modest away amount every month for as much as you can for as long as you can can make an enormous difference in building retirement and financial security well i think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on come on angela thank you so much for coming on (laughs) where 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 can savage nation learn more about you give us the website again Again, I appreciate it. We're the Georgetown University Center for Retirement Initiatives at the McCourt School of Public Policy. We can be found at cri.georgetown.edu. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Angela your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to cri.georgetown.edu and check out the new information that Angela's been talking about. Thanks again, Angela. Thanks, George. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.